Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Thursday edition of the show, day two of Bucks training camp, and as you see on the screen, the title is A Tale of Two Trasks. In this Bucks camp report, we're going to talk about everything. We'll recap the biggest plays, who stood out, who struggled. But the highlight of this practice was the ups and downs of Kyle Trask, the positives and negatives. I do think there was more positives than negatives. But with that said, when things went bad, it was uh, it was pretty glaring, I think, to say the least. But still a lot of promise with Kyle Trask as well. We're not going to bash him too bad on this show but a lot to get into nonetheless i'm your host matt matera joined with me is my colleague from pewterreport.com on the day that is his one year anniversary since joining pewter report it is adam slavon adam congrats on the milestone happy anniversary to you i've seen you all day but uh how you doing hey i'm doing great and uh thank you i can't believe it's already been a year with pewter report very excited uh, because this time of year, training camp, you got a lot of storylines. I remember last year, there was a lot of storylines in Tom Brady's last season, but now there's a whole new era of Bucks football. And with that, two quarterbacks competing against each other. So it's been great and happy to get into it with you. Yeah, let's start off with who did and did not practice. A little bit of a change today. Yesterday was just Russell Gage who did not participate Today, uh, Gage did not practice again. He won't until at least next week, so we don't have to keep updating it every single time. We'll just let you know when Russell Gage does come back. The other little bit of news in terms of practicing, not practicing, was Ryan Jensen did not participate. He uh, practiced yesterday in a very limited role, just kind of did the overall um positional drills, things like that. But when it got to team drills, he did not participate. Uh, but he was out there today just in a jersey, just kind of helping out everybody else. He didn't actually go into any snaps or anything like that. And that might have to do with the fact that last year, while for on a good note, it was it's your one-year anniversary, on a sour note for Ryan Jensen, a year ago today was when he suffered that knee injury that took him out for all of these, the whole regular season with the exception of the, the playoff game. So maybe the Bucks were trying to avoid just, uh, you know, some bad luck, go, some bad luck going through that again. But Ryan Jensen was not around and you saw a, uh, a mic, not a microcosm. That's not the right word. Just a, a, a shuffling of the deck with Robert Hainsey at center with Nick Leverett in there as well, and uh, John Molshan also playing center. So that was the biggest difference there. I think as far as monitoring Ryan Jensen, the Bucks are going about it the right way. I don't think he really needs to ramp things up until, I would say, around that second preseason game when the Bucks play the Jets. I'm not even saying he needs to play in that game. I'm just saying in terms of starting to practice a little bit more, get in with the 11-on-11s 11 and, and things of that nature. But what do you think about it? Yeah, I would say the Bucks are going about it the right way, especially with a veteran such as Jensen already being like in his early 30s. He knows the drill. He was out there today at the Ryan Jensen sighting, just kind of being like a coach to some of the younger players. You mentioned yeah, John, he was. John Mulchin, just kind of using like the medicine ball and drills, kind of working with him. But with Ryan Jensen, just making sure that he's healthy enough to play in the regular season is huge. And just kind of seeing his progression, albeit slowly through training camp, it's a welcome sight to even see him on the field after his injury last season. And you can no, see a picture there. Yeah, no no question about it. I, I think with the depth that the Bucks have on the offensive line, I don't think it's the worst thing to give Robert Hainsey a little more play, especially since he started all of last season and wasn't able to, you know, be a starter this year. And, and Aaron Stinney getting in the mix a little bit more since Hainsey's at center. Stinney gets to play a little bit at guard. Um, early on, I don't I don't think there's too much of an issue with that. Richard, besides wishing Adam a happy anniversary, also says, I'm very worried about Jensen. He never got surgery. Right, but Ryan Jensen chose not to get surgery. I'm sure he spoke with 
a lot of medical professionals and chose the best path of resistance for himself with the least amount of resistance. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Ryan Jensen was going to rehab knee injury with the hope of, Oh, well, it's only going to get 20% better. I'm sure he's looked at it uh, much, much better. And Wayne Hankinson says, Hanty should have had a better year if needed at center. Yeah, absolutely. Cause he got all of that playing experience. Uh, before we talk a little bit more about the quarterbacks, there was a cool thing going on during individual drills. And we like watching the individual drills. It's right after calisthenics, which we talked about yesterday, where Baker Mayfield was, you know, warming up with a lot of the defensive linemen and things of that nature. Partially why we like the individual drills is because it's like the last session where we can take video of the Bucks practicing and put it up on our social media. So check out our Twitter, our Instagram, everything like that. We have tons of videos from practice over the first two days, along with, um, you know, some press conferences, which we'll get into as well. But one of the cool things that went on was defensively, they had a, a couple of stations set up. I, I was calling it the turnover stations where the secondary is in one spot. There's three different spots. The secondary was in one spot. The defensive linemen were in one spot, and so were the outside linebackers. And they rotated every – everyone got at least one or two reps, and then everybody rotated. But there was one tackling station, and you can check out our Instagram, at Pewter Report. We have the video up there and on our Twitter as well. They worked on a tackling station. I think specifically, two going after the quarterback, how to make sure not to land – on the quarterback because that's a, a big thing the NFL has really implemented in terms of they're going to penalize defenders for that as stupid as it is. And I strongly disagree with that rule. The Bucs did get completely bailed out by it last year when Grady Jarrett sacked Tom Brady, but they had a tackling station. They had a force fumble station where, you know, the runner would come up and you'd go and knock it out of their hands. And then they had another fumbling station, which you see in the, picture with Joe Tryon Shanka here where it's essentially you're going after the quarterback and you're trying to knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands, which you see uh, Joe Tryon Shanka waving his hands in the air and waving them like he yeah. just doesn't care. But I thought <laughs> it was cool, Adam, because it just it keeps the line moving in terms of you can keep running the same drill over and over and you're kind of like you're going to get bored after a little while because you're just doing yep. the same thing and I think moving around so quickly, you still get that muscle memory, but you're also uh, still like moving around, keeping the energy high, and and I think it's better for everyone involved. Yeah, and you're also getting amped up and ready for game action too, kind of going through those drills. And you mentioned like the turnover stations. The Bucks need some turnovers on defense this year. Uh, the picture of Joe Tryon Schwenka here. He also needs to step it up. Uh, Jason Light mentioned that yesterday. But in terms of the defense creating takeaways, you saw that a little bit today with Servassier Dennis and Nolan Turner. We'll get into that a little bit later. But just seeing them being active on the defensive side of the ball and for the defense entirely, like during the drills, it was a welcome sight to see. And then on the topic of individual drills, you also had the offensive line uh, going through a lot of drills today with uh, working with a sandbag. You had the resistance band and just kind of practicing their footwork and technique. Uh, you had Tristan Wirfs practicing, as well as Luke Gedeke, uh, both tackles, switching positions, different sides of the football. It's going to be huge for them. Uh, Wirfs looked like he didn't miss a beat out there, being uh, one of the top tackles in the NFL. And then you also had Luke Gedeke looking more improved in terms of his footwork, getting praised by the coaches, and it's going to be huge for them as well. Yeah, we have a story on pewterreport.com right now from Bailey Adams talking about why the Bucs kind of named their starters right away. Like since spring, we've known who the starting five is going to be with Brian Jensen at center, Tristan Wirfs at left tackle, Matt Filer at left guard, and then Cody Malk at right guard and Luke Edeke at right tackle. So, you know, there's two ways you can look at it. One you could say, why would you name a starter already, especially when one's a rookie and the other one's a second-year player moving to another position? But as the article kind of states, and I just put it in the chat so everyone can, can check it out if you haven't read it yet, offensive lines take time to gel. And the sooner you can get it going and get it moving, 
the better. So the Bucs are trying to take advantage of that as quickly as they possibly can. And this unit, although they haven't worn pads just yet, this unit has been working together since June. And I think that's super important for this group that could, you know, sink or swim this offense this year. Yeah. And I think it's better to have the approach of setting it and forgetting it in terms of just, you know, where the starters are placing them in the different spots and then just kind of letting them grow and build chemistry together and learning what each offensive lineman likes and doesn't like. I think that's huge for the bucks. And especially on the right side of the offensive line, you have yeah. Cody Malk and Luke Gedeke, like two really young players, just making sure that they're able to hold their own and also play alongside like veterans uh, such as Ryan Jensen and already a young veteran in Tristan Wirfs. And speaking of Tristan Wirfs, I know we just mentioned him a little bit. We also had our other Bucks training camp diary come out this morning. So for those that don't know, we like we do a training camp diary every season. We've done it for years at PeterReport.com. We usually take an offensive player and a defensive player, a rookie on one side and a veteran player on the other. This year, we are very lucky. We have two <laughs> studs when it comes yep. to uh, you know players that we can get for this um, for this training camp diary. We have first round pick Kalijah Kansi is our defensive rookie that we are speaking with, and of course, as we just said, Tristan Wirfs is our veteran guy, all pro offensive tackle, moving to left tackle this year. Obviously, everyone wants to know about that. The first one with Tristan Wirfs dropped today, Cansey's, was the day before. But Adam, what was your biggest takeaway from the Tristan Wirfs interview? I would say uh, you, you had the story uh, last week about the 12-5 and 5 record and just kind of having that confidence in the team and then also building a relationship with one of the other offensive linemen and Luke Gedeke and just over the offseason really connecting with him, uh, going on fishing trips. Uh, There's a video posted i think by black tip fishing of them like going at it and also training and increasing his strength i think is really huge for him this year especially moving over to left tackle and i would say those are probably my biggest takeaways just being stronger more confident not only in himself but also the team i think it's crazy that Tristan Wirfs can still get even bigger and even stronger given the size that he already is i mean he came into the league as someone that was jumping out of pools and just had absolute freak athleticism. So if he can lift more and the fact that he's, you know, built this friendship with Luke Gedeke and they can kind of motivate each other, at least from a lifting standpoint and as an offensive tackle as well. I don't know how much more motivation yeah. Tristan Worth really needs. He's an all pro tackle already. And as we said, moving to a, uh, a new position, but you know, it's good to have camaraderie in that sort of the sense. And I was talking about this earlier, um, going back to the interior offensive line a little bit, or really just the whole offensive line and this zone blocking style of defense uh, offense, Tristan Wirfs, crazy athletic, as we just talked about Cody Mauk as well, very, very nimble on his feet and way more athletic than I think most people would understand. Yeah. And just his ability to get to the second level. I uh, saw it a lot yesterday working with Ryan Jensen and just being able to, like cut in front of them and get the defensive tackle block. It, it's really huge to be able to have an offensive guard with that much athleticism and to be able to get to the second level, cover the running, the running back and really make some holes for a running game that really needs it. And last year it was the worst in the league. And now you have younger backs and Rashad white, uh, Sean Tucker. He spoke today. Yeah. Maybe he's going to be in the mix there. And then other guys such as Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds, a lot more athletic instead of power, but I think that's a good mix. Yeah, I'm I'm in full agreement. You don't want all of the same type of running back. Well, you know, yeah. you want to change things up for the defense. I usually like the quote unquote thunder and lightning approach, where you have the one guy. Usually, you start with the lightning. I would say. I guess you can go about it either way, but if I would, if I were choosing, I'd start with the lightning. And just have a guy that's quick, elusive, can break tackles, do all that stuff. You tire out the defense, and then you bring in the big bruiser, the guy that can convert on the third and ones, and and so be it, and just pulverize a defense and, you know, kind of hurt them even more. So uh, there, there's multiple ways to really look at it. And obviously, it's going to benefit Rashad White 
and Sean Tucker and others. We'll talk about Sean Tucker a little bit later on this show. Do want to talk about the uh, title character of this podcast. Again, a tale of two Trask, Kyle Trask. A lot of good, some bad. Adam, overall, what was your assessment watching Kyle Trask today? I would definitely agree with you in the aspect of more good than bad. I thought early on Kyle Trask was very sharp with his throws and just showcasing the agility, the mobility, and the accuracy as well and layering his throws, making some great uh, connections to the sideline. Of course, you had uh, the interception to Servassier Dennis. It started to go downhill a little bit on those two plays. You had uh, kind of a botched handoff to the running back and then followed up by the Dennis interception. But towards the end of yeah. practice, he had a really nice throw. I think the Buccaneers posted it on their YouTube, throwing it to Kate Otten up the seam. I think it was maybe about 25, 30 yards downfield. That was really nice to see. And just seeing him being more more nimble and more lean uh, and being lighter on his feet and just being able to move through the drills, throwing on the run, and even uh, getting away from Shaq Barrett, which isn't that easy. Yeah, so that's actually what I wanted to talk about. And we mentioned it on yesterday's show, and you can read about it as well on pewterreport.com. But Kyle Trask put in the effort this summer. He looks lean and mean. And he knew that with this new offense, that he had to look the part and and get ready to go. And he knew he was going to have to, to move around a lot more. And not that he's, you know, he's got cement for feet, but he has never been known as, as a truly mobile quarterback. And I think even the adjustment from the little bit of time off, about a, a month or so off, now going to training camp benefited him a lot. And I think one of the most exciting plays that he did, it was early on in 11 on 11s. And that guy on the screen right there, Shaq Barrett, who we spoke about has been moving great since coming back from that torn Achilles. It was 11 on 11. As I just said, a situational type of thing where it was either second or third down, not too far to go. And it was a play action. Trask rolls out to his right. Now he was, he it wasn't a full rollout. He just started moving towards his right a little bit. He was looking to pass the ball. It wasn't a designed run, but no one was open. And there was a field of grass in front of him with the exception of Shaq Barrett. But Shaq obviously had to change direction. It wasn't like he was squared up face up against Kyle Trask because then Shaq Barrett definitely should have made the play. But that wasn't the case. Trask already had a running start. He had a couple of steps ahead of Shaq Barrett and this wasn't by any means a 45 yard run by Kyle Trask but he had the wheels in motion he pursued it didn't you know think twice didn't hesitate about it just was off to the races got to the yard marker and got out of bounds before Shaq Barrett could touch him either obviously Shaq wasn't going to hit him and knock him down but in an in-game type of situation Kyle Trask would have got out of bounds safely without absorbing a hit from the defender, which I think was super important. And I think that's one of the biggest kind of upgrades we've seen from Kyle Trask so far is the overall feeling in this offense, the pocket presence, the awareness, knowing where to go with the ball. He's really dialed into that a lot more. Um, Not too many incomplete passes over the first day, first two days for Kyle Trask. Now that was some of the good. Also, he threw a touchdown pass about 15 to 20 yards to former tight end turned wide receiver Ryan Miller. So he is finding the end zone a little bit. We'll talk about the the Sabatier things. I want to also want to talk about how Kyle Trask rebounded from that. But we did speak to both quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask today. We'll talk about Baker as well. First, we'll talk about Kyle Trask, some of the things he had to say uh, specifically about playing in this new type of um, offense and and really just getting in the right, you know, state of mind to um, to excel in this offense. I think in the past I was a little, uh, you know, agitated or maybe trying to force my feet around. I wasn't as smooth as I am now. Um, just trying to be clean and smooth in the pocket and, you know, play taller. Um, I think in the past, maybe I was a little squatty. I wasn't playing like I was 6'5". I need to take advantage of it. So 
uh, play a little taller, smoother, uh, you know, smooth as fast. So I would say that's been my main focus too. Beads and keys. What was it for you? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of teams run similar concepts. Um, obviously, there's variations. Uh, you know, you're going to have similar concepts no matter what offense you're in. They're going to have different names. Um, but then you also have your styles, and this style is going to be more of a, you know, you're going to have the keepers and the mid zone and things like that. So, um, you know, this offense, you got to have your legs ready to, you know, scramble, get out of pocket, go make a play. Whereas, you know, in the past, we're more drop back uh, focused. Um, so just getting your legs ready to go and be able to get on, on the edge and make a play. He said, you got to keep your legs ready to go, always be ready to scramble essentially, but excuse me. I thought it was also very interesting what he had to say about taking advantage of his big frame. You know, he said he's six, five, that he was a little bit too low. And I think that's a big advantage that Kyle Trask has over Baker Mayfield. It's just the height advantage alone because yeah, there's the Drew Breeses out there. But when you think of like a big quarterback, you think of the size of Tom Brady and the size of Peyton Manning back in the day. And Kyle Trask has the, all the makings of what, a great quarterback should be. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Definitely. And I would say that's an underrated aspect of his game is the height that he possesses. And also credit should be given to him for kind of adjusting his play style. Like you mentioned the mobility and getting drafted. He was a pocket passer coming out of Florida yeah. and he was more heavy set and he shed since entering the NFL. I want to say about 20 pounds. So just being able to go from, like a traditional pocket passer in an era when that play style is kind of dying. And then also just being able to become more mobile and more fluid with his motion. And he looks a lot more comfortable than he did say maybe six weeks ago during OTAs as he's kind of learning the offense, getting more comfortable with it. I think that's going to be huge for him, especially as training camp progresses in the preseason, seeing how that goes in games will be really critical. If he's able to implement what he's taking from practice and what Dave Canales is teaching him and when he's under center, when opposing defensive linemen are coming at him. And uh, he spoke a little bit more about just feeling lighter on his feet. To your point about losing weight, he said he lost about five to 10 pounds this uh, summer already. And that's before even going into training camp practice. So a little bit more from Kyle Trask. What, what did you do over the last six weeks? Uh, obviously just, you know, new offense coming in, uh, in the spring. So it was all new for us that first, uh, go round, but you know, you have that, that downtime and you really want to make sure you're, you know, correcting the mistakes you made in OTAs and you know, you're always going to have new mistakes and new things to learn from, but you know, it's football, but you know, at the end of the day, you just don't want to make the same mistake twice. So you always want to be learning and progressing forward. Um, you know, and just going through the day one installs all over again. Um, you know, it just makes you feel more comfortable uh, every time you go through it again. So uh, I think just, you know, keep keep studying and just try not to uh, make the same mistake twice and just keep progressing. And, you know, that's really been my mindset. You feel as fast as you've been in some time, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in the past, probably in college, um, somebody trailing me probably catches me there. Yeah. Uh, but if I can get to the sideline before they catch me, you know, that's a plus for me, even if it's two yards. So, like, if I'm getting positive yards, and that's good for the offense at the end of the day. How much lighter are you now than you were a year ago? A year or two ago? I mean, five, ten pounds. Uh, my main focus has just been to lean out to uh, stay light on my feet. And obviously, the NFL season is really long. So, you know, durability. You know, I got to luckily learn from one of the best in terms of durability. So, I just try to, you know, uh, before we go further into this, I uh, saw this comment from Brad Bravo. Give me one second. Who says, does this podcast only talk about the top end of the roster and advertise their own stories? Just trying to find out about a bubble player fighting for a roster spot. Well, Brad Bravo, we've actually spoken a lot uh, this week recent weeks about all the Bucks training camp battles, what we've seen from training camp so far. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about the nickel position alone, which has a number of different players lobbying for one spot at the slot corner, whether it's D Delaney, Zion McCollum, Kayvon Merriweather, Chris is. Yep. Yeah. Um, who else am I missing? Josh Hayes. Those guys are all lobbying for one spot. We've talked a lot about the undrafted free agent 
wide receivers like Rakeem Jarrett, like Cade Warner, Tate Barber. Those are a couple of guys trying to get some of the last spots. Sean Tucker, we talked about a ton. We're about to talk about Sean Tucker a little bit more. Servassier Dennis was a day three draft pick that's trying to get inside linebacker three. So, Brad Bravo, I'm just curious, what bubble player do you want to know about or are you asking about? Because we've actually pretty much talked about almost every single player on the roster, Brad Bravo. But if you want to go in a specific direction – Please let us know, and we'll address that as well. So let's talk about another bubble player fighting to make a roster spot, which is Servassier Dennis. This guy has been getting interceptions all over the place. It started in rookie minicamp and happened, or yeah, rookie minicamp happened during OTAs as well, or maybe minicamp. I'm starting to get the two confused. And then had the first interception, and about ten minutes beforehand, Adam, we were all saying. Who's going to be the first yep. defensive player to get an interception? And it was Servassier Dennis. It was in a red zone drill, 11 on 11. And this is where Trask had – he faltered for sure. There was the botch snap like you talked about before. And I don't know exactly whose fault it was. Was it the running back? Was it Kyle Trask? But nonetheless, Anthony Nelson, the outside linebacker, Third string outside linebacker, is that not uh, is that too much of a starter for you, Brad Bravo? I'm not totally sure. Um, but Anthony Nelson recovered the fumble. And then it was an interception literally on the next play. So, um, oh, Brad Bravo wants to know about uh, undrafted rookie free agent Ronnie Brown. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, sorry, Brad Bravo. We get like a bunch of different comments, so I'm sorry that I missed it. But I'm addressing it now. Yeah, uh, Ronnie Brown actually had a really good run today. He was yep. he was showing his ability to – he got up the field, obviously, in the zone-blocking type of def- – uh, uh, sorry, zone-blocking type of offense, made a great cut and got to, like, the second level, almost even the third level of the field, was going one way and then completely changed direction. Also, Brad Bravo, earlier, Skip Pete um, – when I say earlier, I mean a couple months ago, the first time we got to interview him um, – he was asked him, I even asked him about Sean Tucker, and Skip Pete went out of his way to say, oh, yeah, Ronnie Brown's really good, too. So Skip Pete obviously has his eye on Ronnie Brown. He's going to be – it's going to be tough for him to crack this uh, this running back room just with Chase Edmonds, a veteran, in there, and, and Keyshawn Vaughn isn't going anywhere. So it's kind of a battle between Sean Tucker and – Ronnie Brown for the fourth running back spot, even if the Bucks want to keep four running backs. But I can see him getting stashed on the practice squad. What about you? Yeah, and just kind of being if he if he's not the fourth running back, at least somebody on the practice squad. But having somebody with his upside, I think, is huge. And just his college production at Shepard, I think last season he had over eighteen hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, and just kind of having the measurables, but also putting that into practice. You mentioned that run. Uh, much to JC Allen's uh, pleasure. Just yeah, JC. JC's been high. Sorry, fan. I don't mean to cut you up, but JC's been yeah. high on uh, on Ronnie Brown since the beginning. Yeah, and just seeing Ronnie Brown out there, a running back with upside, maybe more so than a guy like Patrick Wayard. Could he maybe surpass him on the depth chart? Could happen. Uh, but just yeah. kind of want to go back to Servassier Dennis. Yeah, he let's do it. Uh, a couple months ago, it was past the Servassier. Now it's past two Servassier. Past and... two Servassier. Past two Servassier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll drop the mic there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with Servassier Dennis already having three interceptions, the surprising like cov- coverage ability, the ability to be in- have instinct and jump routes is really impressive. And he's also learning from two of the best inside linebackers in football and Levante David and Devin White. With Levante David, uh, Servassier Dennis mentioned that it's about patience and jumping routes. And from Devin White, you also have to get after it. So just kind of stepping back, knowing the play, and then going after it is huge. And he also mentioned with Larry Foote, uh, one of the co-defensive coordinators, he yells at Sebastian Dennis a lot, and that just amps him up more. So he's very motivated, very intelligent, and he's also rooming with Kalijah Kansi, uh, which is interesting. Both Pittsburgh guys, and they both get after the quarterback, too, with Sebastian Dennis, I believe, having, I want to say, seven sacks last year. So he's just really impressive in multiple aspects. 
And I wouldn't say he's a bubble player at this point. No, he's not. He's, he's not. He's really, he's, gonna... he's really walking himself into that third inside linebacker role. He really has. And what's crazy is you mentioned all the sacks that he had. Like he's, he was known as a blitzer at Pittsburgh. And I was talking to JC today and JC interviewed one of his coaches at Pittsburgh and said he was a blitzer because they needed him as a blitzer. And now coming to the Bucks, he's been able to show his coverage ability and clearly his ability to get the hands on the football. And that's the key intangibles for an inside linebacker is reading plays, anticipating the plays. Cause Dennis was a little bit behind the, the, uh, the intended target at the moment, but he got that running start and just kind of jumped the route. And I kind of like that in defensive players in general. Like, yes, there are extreme examples such as, um, Trevon Diggs, who just got paid by the Dallas Cowboys, where Diggs will make the splashy plays. And if you listen to our interview with Rondé Barber, Barber kind of mentioned that, that Diggs got that contract. He didn't say it was verbatim, but he alluded to that Diggs got the big contract because he gets a lot of the interceptions and the pick sixes. But you can burn him a lot, as the Bucs yep. did in the first matchup against uh, the Cowboys in the first game last season. But other guys, such as Carlton Davis, are way, way more technically sound. But maybe if they don't get as many turnovers, you're not talking about them as much. And that's why Carlton and, and Jamel Dean haven't made a Pro Bowl just yet. But yeah, Servassier Dennis is off to a fantastic start from you know May and June, now in July. And hopefully he keeps it going in August. And of course, when the pads come on, that's going to make a big difference as well. But another big play by a rookie defensive player from the University of Pittsburgh. Savrasier Dennis, I'm not going to put him as inside linebacker three just yet, again, because the pads haven't come on. But how could you not be excited about this guy? Everything he's done makes you believe that he's going to be a future starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Kyle Trask, who threw that interception, we'll get back to him in just a moment, uh, he, he talked about the play uh, and yep. specifically the talent of Savassier Dennis and just overall how there are times in practice you got to test this stuff out because you're not going to do it on Sunday. And that's exactly what he says in this quote. Yeah, you know, he, he's a great lateral movement. Obviously, he's here for a reason. Um, and he, he saw what he did in college, I'm sure. Um, you know, he's been making plays all day in OTAs and always been in the right spots on um, training camp. And, you know, maybe I was forcing, maybe I was testing him out a little bit, but you know, he made a great play, and you know, that's good to see. You're probably going to end up, if you are going to take a chance, it's going to happen now as opposed to like, on a Sunday. Um, but yeah, you know, just like um, the play to uh, uh, Batia, like that's probably a, a chance you you take anywhere from. Yeah. So yeah. you want to take those chances now so you can learn from them and you know, just be better and put those in your mental bank account for Anytime you see an interception, you kind of, you know, you get a little jolt. You get a little excited over it. You kind of get energized by it, which now makes it a great time to talk about the official sponsor of PeterReport.com. The official energy drink as well is Celsius Energy Drinks. Check out their newest flavor, the Cosmic Vibe Sparkling Fruit Punch. Absolutely delicious. They have so many great flavors. They're all great flavors from the sparkling lemon lime to the sparkling orange. Uh, grapefruit as well. I've been having the strawberry lemonade. Tons of great flavors. No sugar, no uh, post-crash or jitters from an energy drink that you might get with another product out there. So go to the Celsius store locator, find out where to pick up your favorite flavor of uh, Celsius energy drinks. You can type in your address and it'll show you the closest place at your local Walmart, Walmart, Target, convenience store, your bodega as well. And then, of course, you could buy it in bulk online. Go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, get the variety pack because variety is the, the spice of life. And you can have it sent to your residence whenever you want. You set it up on your own pace and time, whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. As we get back to Kyle Trask, I don't want to spend this whole episode 
Entrast. But I do admire the way that he was able to bounce back after the little, you know, the little mess up with uh, a little bit of the red zone. He hit a great, great pass to Kate Otten down the seams and uh, also threw a touchdown pass to David Moore as well. So he did bounce back. And man, Kate Otten yesterday had a big play down the seams wide open today. Probably the second biggest play as far, as far as yardage went. He made a lot of other passes where he was diving, jumping all over the place. It was a nice day for the tight ends, whether it was Kate Otten, whether it was uh, David Wells. A lot of the tight ends were in the mix today. Payne Durham, not as much. But liking how the tight ends are going to be utilized in this uh, in this offense. For sure. And with Kate Otten, he's... He's a real sleeper in the offense and just with the amount of quick passes and check downs up the middle, you can turn a two yard gain into a 10 yard gain really quickly. And so yeah. for Kate Otten to show the ability to go down the field and stretch, stretch a field down the seam, but also being utilized on short routes, I think he's destined to have a bigger year than last year. And yeah. also another guy to keep an eye on, you mentioned David Wells and getting a lot of second team reps today. You, I mean, you have Co'Keefe is more of a blocking tight end. Payne Durham, he's still coming along. Have to see him when pads come on. But for David Wells, he's the oldest tight end in the room, crazy enough. And yeah. <laughs> he, he, may, he may get some snaps in there. Yeah, he very well may. Now, David Wells, towards the end of practice, got uh, a little bit banged up. He's fine now, so no no injuries really to to worry about. And... So it was a throw down the middle, and Wells went out to catch it. And again, they're not in pads. They're not really supposed to hit each other. But sometimes if you're going for the ball, it's just going to be a bang-bang play. And it was Nolan Turner that kind of like made the hit, but also wasn't trying to hit him at the same time. And Nolan Turner is obviously another guy that's fighting for a roster spot as a safety. And Todd Bowles went out of his way to talk about him yesterday. And then today... Again, in red zone, Nolan Turner came up with the other interception. This one was on Baker Mayfield in the red zone. I think it was seven on seven, if I'm not mistaken. And Baker was just, I don't fully blame this one on Baker because I think, again, in seven on seven, at some point, you're just trying to get rid of the ball. Now, he could have just thrown it out of the back of the end zone, but he really tried to fit one in there. And Nolan Turner made the play and... It's kind of like in baseball when you make a great play in the field and then like you're first up to bat the next inning and you get a hit. It's kind of like that where Todd Bowles is like, yeah, Nolan Turner is a, is a good player. He's, he's much improved from last season. And then he goes out and makes an interception. No turnovers the first day. Three turnovers today by the Buccaneers defense. So uh, a, a sight to behold. Yeah, and with Nolan Turner, with just so many young undrafted safeties in the room, Last year, he didn't get the opportunity with Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal kind of joining Antoine Winfield and Mike Edwards. But now that they're gone, he has a real chance to claim a backup safety role and get more playing time. And plays like today when he had the interception, that's only going to add to his case. And getting a shout-out from the head coach, that's huge. And last year, he had a, um, a solid training camp. And during the preseason, he made a few tackles. Now... It'll be interesting to see if he keeps that up and can continue to improve and make plays. And like I said, that interception did come at the hands of Baker Mayfield. Baker, I thought he was okay today. Um, I thought he could have been a little bit more accurate. And that's the biggest thing for me is when the pocket starts collapsing around him. We talked about the big size of Kyle Trask. I don't know if... The way this offensive line is, at least right now, on July 27th, I feel like sometimes Baker might get like really engulfed just because of the way that the offensive line can break down at times. What was your assessment of Baker? So for Baker Mayfield, for me today, he didn't wow. You mentioned the accuracy. There were some throws where he kind of he led the ball too far from the receiver. And so yeah. he wasn't really as accurate as Kyle Trask was, but I, 
what I took away was from his press conference when he mentioned like having the chip on the shoulder mentality yeah. and just his leadership. I think like the, the very subtle things you notice with Baker Mayfield more so than Kyle Trask and that uh, he was with the defensive lineman yesterday and today. Uh, there was a moment on the sideline when he gave a chest bump to Tristan worse and just his leadership and command of the offense is there, but it's putting it together and being accurate with his throws. And I thought it was very interesting when Todd Bowles, when he was walking away from the, the podium today, he kind of yelled out to Baker Mayfield, Hey, are you the starter? And that sparked <laughs> some, some interesting conversations. Yeah. I, I'll play that video in a moment. We don't have Bowles on, you don't, you don't hear Bowles' voice, but you see Baker's kind of reaction to it. But first Baker had the, you know, it's really more the receiver, but Baker had the biggest highlight play of the day. Adam, do you, do you want to tell the Peter people what that was? Oh, yeah. So that was to Rakeem Jarrett, the rookie yeah. wide receiver out of Maryland, the former Terrapin. He caught a, a leaping. He made a leaping catch with Keenan Isaac in coverage. And throughout the day, uh, Rakeem Jarrett was very impressive. And that's something that Baker Mayfield pointed out in his press conference, just being truly impressed with his body control and making a lot of plays. And for a rookie wide receiver, that's something you have to do, especially for the Bucs when you have guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Russell Gage, the presumed number three, and then a guy like Trey Palmer. For those last spots, you really have to go out there and show out. And he has been someone that has, along with Devin Tompkins and David Moore. I think those three wide receivers have the strongest case to be wide receivers number five and six. But that was the biggest play. It was a great throw by Baker Mayfield throwing across his body to the left sideline. And on a day where he wasn't the best, that was one of the most impressive plays. Yeah, Rakim Jarrett has been everywhere. I think the most impressive catch he made came in the first day when Ryan Neal was smothered all over him. And he still somehow came up with the ball. He's showing his super athleticism, just showing how he can you know, adjust in the air as well. And, and kind of, you know, it was one-on-one, a little bit of a push, but still got up and made the play. David Moore had that touchdown as well. And Devin Tompkins, crazy, crazy speed. We spoke about him yesterday, so I don't need to comment too much on him, but that agility is crazy. Bucks have a lot of really talented wide receivers. It's a shame they can only keep so many, but let's get to that video of Baker Mayfield talking about, well, first responding to Todd Bowles and everything that went on. Uh, with that situation and then uh, we got a couple other videos as well because Baker said he's wired different. He's doing his best impersonation of us. You can answer his question first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Maybe. It's work each day. One day at a time right now. Uh, first two days under our belt. Um, just getting back to the same things. I think offensively just the recall from what we worked on in the spring uh, has been really, really good especially from our young guys. Um, just being able to remember the plays and the terminology. You expect a lot of rust the first few days when, when you're talking about that, but for the most part, it's been pretty clean. So uh, we're, we're happy about that, but uh, it's great to keep, you know, it's on the offense as we go and uh, progress each day. Yeah, yeah it's football with pads on. It's, it's a real game. So, um, you know, we're, we're obviously, like you said, it's an extension of the OCAs. Uh, we're using this to, you know, revamp it, used to the heat again, and uh, run the offense to where, when we play real boy ball, it's uh, you see the physical attributes of what guys are made of. Um, guys, you know, obviously it's gonna be gonna be hotter with pads on. So being able to continue the mental aspect of it, but also uh, who's gonna separate themselves in technique when they're tired and with the pads on uh, to continue to show us, you know, what what type of team this will be. Uh, I mean, it's a foundational aspect for the whole offense. Uh, I mean, I understand where we're at, what we're trying to get done. Uh, you know, I'm comfortable in a sense of knowing what we're trying to get done, but never, never satisfied with what, with what we're doing. So there's always little things that, uh, that we're trying to trying out right now. Uh, different route combinations where we're seeing the different coverages and being able to, to adjust and apply. And that's what this offense is going to allow us to do is have that foundation and then be able to uh, take the defense and get it. And so I uh, feel really comfortable with the foundation. And then right now, it's just for me, it's just getting everybody on the same page as we're moving on and doing the little things. Uh, and then Baker was asked about the criticisms of him. Like, if, does he read about what people say about him? Does he hear anything? Nah, he hasn't been on social media in two years. Nah, I've, I've been off social for almost two years now, so I'm 
I'm wired different. I don't, I don't need anybody on the outside to tell me what I can and can't do. I know what I'm capable of. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got hurt in Cleveland. That's why my, my run ended there. Um, and then last year was, uh, you know, it was what it was in, in Carolina. Um, but everything happens for a reason. So I'm here now and uh, I'm ready to go. I mean, this, this team, um, you talk about skeptics and what the narrative is around this team. I, I think it speaks to our veterans and the people that were a part of the run to the Super Bowl and the success they've had recently, more so than me. Um, I'll always have a chip on my shoulder. That's just that's how I approach every day. Uh, but it's good to be around a, a room and a group that uh, has had success continue to have that mentality as well. So it, it's, it's a good fit, but we're going to write our own story. You can't carry on anything from the past years. You might internalize and think about it, but nothing translates to the next year. Both quarterbacks talked about the competition as well, where they don't necessarily view it as a competition, just themselves trying to get better each day. We'll play that video in a moment. But first, let's hear a message from our friends at Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Aim Uni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Immuni Financial, please check it out. They uh, can, It doesn't matter where you are in the States. They can uh, help you out. It's not just, uh, you know, reserved for one part of the country proudly serving clients across this country since 1980 they got advisory services legacy and retirement planning insurance services annuities um, a lot of other things to offer as well give them a call for a free consultation and also uh, if your child is going to college and you need to uh, make sure you got everything set for college savings they can help you out with that as well so muni financial give them a call so the quarterback competition, both guys looking uh, looking at it in a similar way, but a little bit different. Talk about their own relationship as well. So we'll start with Baker and then go to Kyle Trask because Kyle Trask also spoke about something else too. Competition-wise, you know, we're trying to make the QB room as good as possible. But I've always said uh, franchise will go as QB room does, how they gel, how they get everybody, how they communicate, get everybody on the same page, how they lead. So right now, I, like I said, I'm going to approach each day the same, no matter what position I'm in. Uh, I'm going to try and get everybody better. I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to work my tail off to, to obviously start. That's the goal. But uh, to get everybody else better around me, to, to raise that competition level and that standard as well. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, being in different places and experiences always helps you. If you don't take lessons from that and learn from it, you're doing it wrong. So obviously, I've taken lessons from that, I'm understanding how. Uh, to approach the game from, from different seats, as you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, approaching it like I, like I want to be the starter. I mean, obviously I'm a little more outgoing than Kyle, but, but Kyle's a great guy. So, to me, competition always brings the best out of anybody. You, know, you, you want to have somebody pushing you to be better. You want to have somebody that's going to challenge you and bring a different aspect to it. Um, and, and John does that as well. John, John brings the aspect of knowing that offense that we're installing um, down to a science almost. And so... The combination of all three of us, it's its pretty special to see how we're working together. And that's, thats you know, when I mentioned the quarterback room, it's extremely important to be able to gel and get going. Uh, yeah, between Kyle, John, and I, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool how it's working. And then Kyle Trask spoke about not only the competition, but the fact that he gets to throw to Mike, and, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, which he didn't get to a ton in his first two years, and just how cool that is. How, how does that help you it's awesome. I mean, you know, obviously I wasn't getting many reps with them the first two years, so, and you know, I'll be honest, I I uh, was a little rusty throwing to them. You know, here in the spring when we first got started, because I had no idea what the timing was with them. Yeah. But you know, now that we're getting that down, um, you know, they're they're really fun to throw to. You know, they've been in the league this long for a reason. So uh, you know. They're really uh, receptive. They're great even off, you know, off the field on the sideline. Um, what they see in free lane and great communicators. Um, so, you know, I can you can definitely tell why they're why they're you know true NFL veterans. Uh, I think 
the quarterback room as a whole has been doing a great job of just you know spitting ideas off of each other and you know as cliche as it sounds you know we're not really competing against each other you know obviously on the outside you know there's a it's own perspective but you know as cliche as it sounds you just want to compete with yourself and make sure you're progressing every single day um, you know everyone's going to make different mistakes uh, so we all can get better at different things and, of course, the last bit of big news from today, we got to hear from Sean Tucker returned or at least came back for the first time since uh, his medical condition that was found out at the NFL Combine that essentially forced him to become an undrafted free agent and went to Tampa Bay. He got cleared to start training camp um, yesterday. Adam, what was your big takeaway after uh, being at that press conference with Sean Tucker? Yeah, uh, before mentioning Sean Tucker, I just want to circle back real quick on the quarterback yep. picture. Uh, Baker Mayfield's comment when he said, I'm wired different, uh, really caught my eye, and it kind of reminded me of uh, woke up feeling dangerous. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> just what Todd Bowles said today about this being that the team still has the pedigree of being a championship team, and regardless of who the quarterback is, whether it is Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, they're coming into a situation where – you have a lot of teams that go from being a contender, they get dysfunctional, and then they start competing for a top draft pick. I don't really see that being the case with the Bucs, just because the organization as a whole surrounding the quarterback, when you talk about having the skilled players on offense and then also having a really solid defense, all the pieces are there for the quarterback of the offense to be successful. So I just kind of wanted uh, to make that point. And yeah, I don't really see this being a Bucs team having three or four wins with that being the case and uh, mentioning Sean Tucker. So today it really seemed like he's back to being healthy and it was really cool to see him out there getting some reps for him. That's important, especially in the Tampa heat. That's no joke. Um, especially yeah. <laughs> when training camp comes around that sun's beating on you and it's 95 degrees, but for Sean Tucker today really displayed I thought it was surprising when he said he was a speed back because that guy is 5'9", 207 pounds. And there's a reason he has the nickname of Baby Nick Chubb because he's a short, stocky guy, and he also has a lot of power. So I was really impressed with uh, what he had to say, just being kind of a mature rookie. And he definitely can have a role within the offense in a wide-open number two running back role. Yeah, and he has like a way different perspective of the offense because of the fact that he got to just – straight up just watch it for a month essentially and then able to participate in as well so first we'll we'll play the video of him uh just how it affected him going through this whole process of uh, having a medical condition and then we'll talk a little bit more about uh the offense and and uh how it situates situates for him you discovered the news at the, the combine um you know when i found out during the combine um, it was something that, you know, came as a surprise. So, you know, just hearing that and, you know, just taking it in and figuring out what I had to do to come back and make sure I was on the positive side of things and just focus on, you know, the end result coming back out here and playing football. What were you diagnosed with? I mean, it was really nothing, you know, just something that I had to go through, a little process, but, you know, I've been healthy, uh, feeling healthy, so I'm ready to go home. Care of it, then it won't come back again. Yeah, it was nothing for me, so you know, just going through the process of things and uh, you know, the compounds when it started, but yeah, I'm fine. Even more now, you had a couple of these out I mean, I've always appreciated, you know, it's always you know, a blessing to be out here and teaching every day, so um, you know, having it in a way taken away for a little bit, you know, just standing out there and you know, watching everybody play and stuff like that, you know, I, I understand everything, so you know, I was on the positive side, just you know, just waiting my turn to get uh, it was hard, you know, at first just hearing everything. Um, you know, when I got the news, I guess it came as a surprise. So, yeah. you know, hearing that, like the day before, we, like, watched the group had, like, uh, the combine drills. And for the second video, him watching the offense. From just watching on the sidelines, threat OTAs, and in the classroom, picking up this this scheme and, and, and all of that. Um, I would say it, was kind of, it wasn't too, too bad. Um, you know, coming from uh, Syracuse, I feel like the running style is kind of similar, so it's not like a complete changeover for me. And, um, you know, the mental reps that I was getting on the sideline through uh, OTAs and everything definitely helped. And then, you know, being able to come out here and actually do it, uh, it felt good, though. 
Price analysis schemes from outside zone, how is that for what exactly you able to, uh, to execute? Um, you know, I think there's an option, you know, just, you know, having more field, especially for me, you know, having more field to run, you know, and having space, you know, that creates opportunity. So, a run up that's definitely uh, something that you want. How much are you looking forward to the pads finally coming on where you can show the entirety of your game? Uh, it feels good. Uh, you know, that's what football is about, having those pads on. And um, people running around, flying around, you know, contact. So that's what we've got coming to football for. What do you think uh, when he said that before the combine, the he put it out on his social media, on his Twitter, that he was running a, a 4-3 40-yard dash? Man, if he if he ran a four three during the combine, there would have been no doubt that he would have been like a second, third round running back. And I think that speaks to just like the value the Bucks got in Sean Tucker. There was other places that he could have gone. Uh, mentioned, I think the Ravens and the Packers as being destinations, but he chose to come down to Florida and be in Tampa Bay. And with having so much speed, and then also just like the power, he he's a really dynamic player. And if utilized properly, definitely could see him breaking out. And I don't know how much he was studying some of the other teams and who has what running backs on the roster. But out of those three teams, he definitely made the right choice yeah. for going to the Bucks with Rashad White as the top guy. But again, in today's NFL, with all the rotations, all those other running backs in the room on one-year contracts, Keyshawn Vaughn in the last year of his deal, this is a fantastic opportunity for, I keep wanting to call him baby Nick Chubb, but for Sean Tucker to have a legitimate role on this team. And he commented on what he thought about getting the nickname baby Nick Chubb and who gave him that nickname. We started that and what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it came from uh, Trey Palmer. Uh, that's what he called me, Ronda Jordan and stuff like that. You know, it's funny, but uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, definitely a, a person that is uh, up there as a running back, so I mean, not back, but... There you have it. Trey Palmer was the one that gave him the nickname Baby Nick Chubb. So rookies looking out for rookies in uh, that sense of it. Another way we're going to look out for you, we're going to tell you where you can make a lot of money, and that's with Underdog Fantasy. And, of course, playing Underdog Fantasy – and uh, their, uh, sorry, their underdog mania, the money ball, use the promo code pewter. You can set up a lineup, set it and forget it. Um, you can use that promo code and uh, get some free money to play in these different tournaments. The best ball mania goes on before the season starts up to millions and millions of dollars of prizes. A lot of fun. You can do the head-to-heads as well. So many different games and matchups that you can get involved in. We'll be playing it as well at pewterreport.com. If you want to play against me or Scott Reynolds or Adam, we're going to have our own leagues as well. So don't got to worry about trades or anything like that. Um, so many different games to play at Underdog Fantasy. So use that promo code pewter. Get a free sign-up bonus. Use that on Best Ball Mania or any of the different tournaments that underdog fantasy has going on that's underdog fantasy use that promo code pewter adam is there anything we missed today i feel like we covered a lot we did cover a lot and from what i had down all the biggest topics were the quarterbacks uh bakeem jarrett savassia dennis and sean tucker you have the quarterbacks and then also some rookies making an impact whether on the field, just getting out there or starting to make plays. And as training camp goes on, I think you're going to see a lot of rookies make plays because this is a young roster with a lot of talent and a lot of depth. And Todd Bowles said today that the backups, he sees some guys out there kind of developing into good backups. And yeah, I think for for us, that, that covers yeah. it. Uh, a lot of opportunities for rookies to have big roles. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. We're going to have another podcast after training camp practice at 4 p.m. But in the meantime, follow us on our social media on Twitter, also known as X, Instagram, Facebook, and threads at Pewter Report. And, of course, our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. If you like the podcast, if you like the clips we put out and everything, please like and subscribe to our YouTube. So that's going to do it for us 
on this afternoon's show. For Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.